You're listening to the Fade to Gray Network. Hello, Fade to Grey listeners. This is Seth, and I'm coming in today with another installment of Mental. For a long time, purity culture has wrecked our country, has wrecked our society, and it has been a framework of Christianity for quite a while. And for those of us who lived through it, we have some stories to tell. And so today I'm bringing my friend Elizabeth, another cast member of the Fade to Gray crew, to talk about her experience with purity culture. I may, uh, you know, pipe in from time to time with a thought or an idea uh, of my own experience, but I primarily want this to be from Elizabeth's story. So to get this started, Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about purity culture from your perspective. Okay, so... I wouldn't call myself an expert. I would call myself one who grew up in the culture and so have an insider's view of how it was presented and how some of us took it. So I grew up in the late 90s and my high school years were 97. I graduated in 2001. So that was high school for me. Yes, I'm older than you, Seth. Uh, you would never know. Never know. Okay, well. Uh, <laughs> so I was right in the time when Focus on the Family and some others were doing the True Love Waits campaign where they would have gatherings in great big buildings and like arenas and stuff like that where they would teach abstinence for sex education. And it was it went beyond the church because it was... Um, I can't remember which president it was at that point or vice president or somebody in the government was trying to teach abstinence abstinence as well in the school systems for sex ed as well. And it was just something that the powers that be, I guess, just thought it was a really great thing that kids should be taught to abstain rather than any type of any sexual anything. The way I interpreted it in church was it sex was a whole shame thing unless it was in the context of marriage so when i would sit in youth group and our youth pastor was teaching us about staying pure his his um, approach to it was always um, explaining that men are visual creatures and what that means is anytime they look at a woman who is scantily clad all they think of is having sex with her And so he was constantly telling us girls that we were responsible for our brothers in Christ and their thought life um, and that we were responsible for how we dressed. And if we dressed wrong, then we would be um, causing men to stumble, causing our brothers to stumble, whatever that meant. We don't we never were told what that meant as girls. Uh, But all the guys just nodded their heads like, oh, yeah, we understand what that means. And I have a very vivid memory of standing up in youth group once when I was in 10th grade. And I only know it was in 10th grade because (laughs) my friend Rich was there and Rich was two years older than me. We were really good buddies. And I, I was like, I don't understand 
like why you keep telling us this. I come in every day in an extra large men's hoodie and oversized jeans. Because again, remember, this is late 90s. So, you know, was it Junko Junko jeans were like really popular? I could never afford Junko jeans. So I just went to buy Mm -hmm. like oversized men's cargo pants. And that was my thing, like all through high school. Because if they were too tight, I didn't want to cause my brother to stumble. So, you know, women's jeans were out. (laughs) so i'm like this is how i come and i you're telling me that i'm causing men to stumble and i don't know how else to cover myself up without throwing a blanket over my head and he did me absolutely no favors by telling rich to stand up so rich stands up and he goes rich did you notice elizabeth walking in the room when she came in to youth group and he's like well yeah so he goes there you go elizabeth guys, it doesn't matter what you wear. Guys are going to notice you anyway. And I'm like, then why are you telling me to watch what I wear? I don't understand. So like, (laughs) fuck him, first of all. And then, (laughs) so anyway, so that was my uh, high school experience with purity culture was being told often that I was responsible for how men thought by, and I was responsible by how I dressed. And I'm sure they tied in a specific link to scripture on that, right? Like, don't cause your brother to stumble. It would have been that scripture, if any. You were able to to tie in the religious component. Yes. Which, therefore, it, it sends not only a message about who you are, but how you fit into the world. Yes. And that it is your responsibility um, to be a good, godly woman yep um that you dress a certain way and that you don't cause or attention to yourself right yeah my experience in high school was just that and from what i understand it was fairly typical for a lot of people who went to um more conservative churches i can't we i did not come from a fundamentalist background but after i graduated from high school and um, I moved out to New Mexico. I started getting into fundamentalist circles. And that's where I saw and was exposed to a whole new wave of purity culture, which was even more extreme than what I had been through. Talking about purity culture from a ma- man's perspective is interesting. Yes. Because a lot of purity culture is from the perspective of the damage that it's caused to women, mm-hmm. but it is also very true that it's caused damage to men as well, specifically gay men. Um, but I wanted to give you the go ahead first yeah. because um, in order to talk about it from my perspective, I, I want the, the woman's story told first. So sure. you were talking about up through high school. Yes. My high school experience in church was a little bit different than some people who grew up in purity culture because it was not discouraged in my circle of friends um, for guys and girls to separate. Uh, We were allowed to hang out together. It was the dating and anything beyond just being friends that was really looked down on. And we were constantly told that we had to watch out what we wore. But when I graduated from high school, I moved away from home, moved to New Mexico and worked there for three years. And one of the churches that I tried to be part of, and I say tried because it just didn't work because of this reason, they they were a more fundamentalist church and they had a more fundamentalist view of um, guy-girl relationships. It It was odd because they had a 
quite a large group of 20-year-olds, like, you know, that odd age between post-high school and not yet married. They had a fairly large group in their church. And so that group would get together for a weekly Bible study. And the leaders of that Bible study were a married couple that were just 10 years older than us. And I loved them. This couple, like, became like my big brother and big sister. I I can't call them mom and dad because they were just a little bit too young for me to do that. But I mean, we hung out all the time. Like I would watch their kids. They they would let me stay at their house if I needed to. Like I just loved them to death. So I would go, I went to that church for that, for that 20 something youth group type thing. But the last time that I, like I would go there and I thought a couple of the guys were really cute and I was like kind of waiting for them to ask me out, but like nothing. Like I started wondering if they were all gay, to be quite honest. <laughs> like, <laughs> no offense. Oh no offense. I'm, I, I'm like, I actually, one of them has come out of the closet since then. So I was right about him. And <laughs> that's a whole nother story. Uh, yeah, I need to talk to you because I think it was funny. We're not putting this on air. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I just, I seriously wondered because I would like, the one guy, especially like we would talk for a while and he would come hang out with me now and then, but he never asked me out. And I was like, am I supposed to ask you out or how is this supposed to work? And like, I'm not in high school anymore. So like I'm allowed to date was my was like my thought process was now I'm not in high school. So now I'm allowed to date. Um, but their idea of purity culture was not that at all. And so the last Bible study I went to they sat down with me and basically they taught me their idea of what um, relationships prior to marriage was supposed to look like. And it drove me away from the church. And basically they told me guys and girls are not allowed to hang out together. They're not allowed to be in any situation unless they are in a big group setting like the Bible study. Um, They shouldn't be calling each other on the phone. They shouldn't be having any one-on-one time whatsoever and being best friends with somebody of the opposite gender was absolutely not allowed until you got married. See, that's just taking it to an extreme. Yeah. How is one supposed to function? How are these kids supposed to function in society in public schools and in the classroom and in sports and in all these different things, if they are ostracized to this degree, it does not work. It doesn't work. It's well, not and, practical. Right. Well, and the other thing is that they were teaching us this when we were in our 20s. What? Yeah. This is post high school at this point. These guys were 20. Let me see. 21, 20. I could drink at that point. So 21, 22, 23, 24. That era. That's when they were teaching us this. These these kids, they're not kids. These adults <laughs> are very sheltered. Yeah. Very sheltered. I. It almost sounds as if the church was operating as the parents. In, in, like in an abusive yeah. relationship. Yeah. So I thought this was the weirdest thing I'd ever heard. I'm like, well, then, and I flat out asked them. They They asked me. No, first I asked the question, well, then how how am I supposed to get married to anybody? Because I thought I was supposed to marry my best friend. I had been told that. My parents 
told me that. Like my parents taught me, if you're going to get married, you're going to marry your best friend. Marry somebody that you're friends with is what they would tell me all like all growing up. And mm-hmm. so for me, I'm like, how can I, I asked them, how can I be friends with any of you if I'm not allowed to hang out with you? And they just laughed at me. They're like, you can't be, you can't, you can't be friends with us because you're a girl until after you get married. And I'm like, fuck that. Like That doesn't yeah. make a lick of sense to me at all. It doesn't make a blessed lick of sense. So then I, I met Omar. I had met Omar at this point. We already knew each other. And it was during this time that he called me and we started our relationship over the phone. You know, we've heard our story. Go find it if you haven't heard it. And we started our relationship. I was like, okay, well, here's a guy who's not afraid to talk to me. So obviously... I'm going to at least try to date him. And we ended up getting married and all's well that ends well, I guess. But it, when I moved up to Alaska, and actually even when we were dating and engaged, he was trying to explain to me the purity culture that they had in the church system there that he worked with and that we ended up working with together. And it was very, very, very similar to this, um, the what these people in New Mexico were telling us as well, where the guys sat with the guys, the girls sat with the girls. Um, if if any guy was talking to a girl um, beyond work-related stuff, they were supposed to have, like, other people around them. They couldn't be one-on-one with each other. Like, dating was out of the question. Um, this one couple that was, like, the poster child for how they're supposed to do relationships they had worked together on staff at the church for like five or six years together and had never once been on a date had never once held hands and never kissed at all had never really had any conversations beyond work-related things and he asked her to marry him and she said yes and that was the first time they side hugged like (laughs) ridiculous ridiculous shit like that like like, I don't, yeah, it was really weird. And I, I talked to a couple once um, in that environment. They had go- they had grown up through that. And um, their first kiss was on their wedding day. And they couldn't have sex on their wedding night because she was so freaked out. I'm like, I don't blame you. Like, that whole thing. Like, I- anyway, so at that point, though, I was married. But either way, I, I was just always really careful. And um, it wasn't until... I moved here when we moved back here, when I moved back and I moved my family with me, um, that I really started relaxing in that. And Mm -hmm. it was a really, it was, (sighs) the whole situation was really interesting because I went from having a lot of guy friends in high school and I never dated them. Some of them asked me out. Some of them asked me just to homecoming dance. And I said, no. And I still like, my biggest regret from high school is saying no to Nate Weaver. Like, it's so stupid. He wasn't <laughs> pursuing me. He just wanted to take me to a dance. Like, what's so wrong about that? I'm like, hey, I'm an idiot. Um, but, like, I went from having guy friends to, like, going to New Mexico and Alaska where I wasn't allowed to talk to guys at all except for Omar or it would be looked down on or whatever. And so I got good at like putting myself out there with girls, but I had never been really great with talking to girls. Like I'd always had guy friends. It was just always how it was to now I'm here in Western Pennsylvania with tiny little kids and I don't know who I'm supposed to go hang out with. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I, legit, like for years, didn't know who I was supposed to hang out with. And now it's just 
like coworkers and my guy friends on podcasts. <laughs> well, we're a pretty cool group, I would hope. Yes, we are. Cheers. <laughs> Purity culture for me was interesting in the fact that the whole idea was to not masturbate, to not look at porn, to not take these steps, right? And I experienced that a lot, um, especially like growing up in the church. I used to host Bible studies where we would all talk about those types of things and, and not engaging in that. Um, but it also prayed like pure by reducing, by discouraging masturbation and these types of things, it was memorializing a person that's like super pure and 100% on fight for God and all of these different components, which I really, really, really wanted to be. Mm. Um, but the problem was, is when you're gay, mm. it doesn't really work. If that, I don't, this is hard to describe. I always find talking about purity culture difficult mm. um, because it's so subliminal and so ingrained into the way that we respond to everyday situations in life i just find it complicated yeah that's a, that's the interesting thing i've been i've been dissecting this for the last year now um after working mm -hmm. on staff with a marriage podcast with a team of mixed genders um and having to talk about marriage issues not necessarily our own but other people's and trying to but then having to communicate it's interesting i don't know it's just yeah because i i mean like at one point i'm i was in a meeting with the with the marriage podcast and we had two guys at the time and i think there were three girls in that meeting in particular at one point we had like five girls um or ladies whatever um, and the one guy whose podcast it was, was asking his staff, like, how are you? And he wanted like a real answer. It wasn't just, oh, I'm great. Like he wanted a real answer. And I wasn't sure if I should be sharing because, well, you're a guy mm -hmm. and I don't know if I should really be sharing with you. Like I'm going through a dark time right now. And I short shared a tiny bit, but not very much. And the next day. Um, we were all on Marco Polo together, just kind of shooting the shit. And I was like, you guys, I wasn't sure what to answer because of the guy-girl situation. And it turned into this, like, confession time, I guess, <laughs> where both guys and girls were like, we want to be able to share without the expectation that we're going to leave our spouse. Like, we're not going to. We love our spouse, but we've become close with these other people. And because of that, like, we want to be able to share just, hey, I'm having a shit day. Why does it have to be? And like, we all felt a lot of shame um, in trying to open up to each other because you're not supposed to open up to anybody unless it's same gender or your spouse. And mm -hmm. we weren't sharing anything that our spouses would have cared about. It was like our own mental health shit. Like <laughs> It sounds like an abusive environment and uh, situation yeah. um, that probably has affected you to this day. 
I would imagine. Yeah, it has. I still like even with the fade casters, like those of us who are on the cast of Fade to Gray, we have our own little Marco Polo group. And there are days when I want to share with you guys what's going on. And I'm like, I don't know if I should. And it's not I mean, no one is stopping me but me, like really and truly like Omar doesn't care. I mean, he cares about me. Um, That's not what I mean. I mean that like he wouldn't care if I shared with you guys things that I'm struggling with. He would probably appreciate it. Um, But Mm -hmm. I'm just I'm like, but they're men, so I can't share with them like that's stupid. And even like when we went to Dallas, like we all got together in in Dallas in February and you guys were all talking about, oh, I'm going to hug this guy first. I'm going to hug that guy first. And I'm like, who am I going to hug? And like, I didn't list any of you first. And you were all the first people that I hugged. (laughs) Like I was trying to think of the girls I was going to give hugs to. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Why can't I give Andy a hug? Why can't I give Seth a hug? Why not? Like Mm -hmm. it was stupid. Like my it's just like ingrained in me. Don't give guys hugs because then you'll cause them to stumble. And, and clearly I made you all stumble because I gave you all hugs. Like, <laughs> Well, don't worry. You can't make me stumble. <laughs> That's why gay Rest men are assured, safe for me. <laughs> all is well. So, but it's interesting though, because as we talk about stumble, mm-hmm. right? Are we in a situation right now where we're concerned whether we stumble or not? You and me? Mm-hmm. Personally. I don't know. Right now. Like. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even in the game anymore. It's like, you know, I used to be in the game and care about that crap um, and, and try to live to this, like, you know, religious, uh, godly statue, you know, uh, example. And I'm... I, I believe in God, but I don't adhere to that so much anymore. I'm kind of out of the game. Mm-hmm. So it's like causing someone to stumble. I mean, it's like, well, they're a, an adult. They can make their own decisions. I they still feel like that, that situation. I still feel like that verse is taken out of context, but I'm not even sure that I understand its original context. Like, I need to go back and read it. It's been so long. But, like, I don't, I don't see anywhere anywhere in life where I'm responsible for other people's actions. Like I, I can be responsible for hurting people, but at the same time, like I could say something and you can choose to be hurt by something like Omar is constantly telling me that like, um, like I'm just choosing to be angry about various things or I'm choosing to see things this way when maybe my perspective isn't right maybe his perspective is right and I'm just choosing to say well I don't really care what you your perspective is I'm going to see it my way and my way is right and yours is wrong and so like causing people to stumble I wonder if we just have that whole concept messed up because well like that was the thing like my youth pastor in high school like that was the whole point that I was trying to make was I I am not responsible for these guys brains like I wore a fucking extra large men's hoodie hoodie and men's cargo pants and that was still not covered up enough I mean we're talking like in the summer I mean mm-hmm. dumb shit like I had no sense of style because I was trying to cover up <laughs> what steps have you taken now that you are out of that environment and that we've stepped away from this and we're able to look back objectively or you know, probably a little subjectively, but able to look back at our situation and, and analyze what steps have you taken to move past the damage 
done to your life by purity culture. Try to get back to being friends with guys. Like, why the fuck are we so scared of being friends with guys who aren't our husbands? Like, or, I mean, like, yeah. And that's the main, that's the main thing. Um, And then as far as, like, dress, I make sure that I wear clothes that actually fit me. (laughs) And, like... To a point, I do know that men are very visual because I have literally (laughs) chased women down in Walmart with my husband to see the most perfect ass we've ever seen. uh, Because I remember this story. (laughs) She was wearing a fantastic pair of leggings. Uh, So I I mean, I'm not oblivious to the fact that what I wear can attract men's eyes. But at the same time, so I don't want to like go extreme and flaunt, but I also don't want to be wearing extra large men's hoodies and men's cargo pants anymore so i i'm a little bit more liberal with what i wear um yeah i would say not to the extreme that i've seen some of my girlfriends go but it is what it is <laughs> well i think you've taken steps and that's the most important thing right yes but not not only do we look and see the damage that was done and see how it's affected our lives but that we see that and we take a next step yeah. Take a step forward towards recovery. Yeah. Being able to look past it. And I think in large respect, you hang out in the fade casters. That's it. <laughs> you can't be any more um I don't know what the adjective is of our group, but I mean you're at, you're in there, so I am I think you're doing well. <laughs> yeah. It takes a certain kind of woman to pull that off. <laughs> Maybe a few drinks. A few drinks and sometimes an eye roll and a f- finger or two. <laughs> yeah. I I have become prone to the finger. Didn't think yes. that would happen in my life, but it has. <laughs> That's okay. You gotta love the boys. I think a finger from Elizabeth is the true sign of I love you. So just look at it that way. There you go. <laughs> so my story is just one and I know... I've talked, well, like I was telling you, I worked with the marriage podcast and specifically my friend Lauren and Kenan have talked about their experience with purity culture. And it's different than mine in some ways, but the same in others. And so you may hear some some things that you recognize as, oh, yeah, I remember that or that happened to me. And other times you'll, you may look at it going, holy shit, what did you just say? Um, but ultimately, I think this was a movement that was originally intended to be something of a good idea to help protect us as children. Um, but in retrospect, maybe it wasn't the best idea. And so trying to move forward from here, um, like I'm looking at it now as a mother going into uh, raising a children through puberty and trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to tell my kids now. And um, that has been pretty interesting kind of walking through that um currently with our oldest daughter we we've had to give her the birds and the bees talk and we're very frank with her about what sex is and um just how to treat her body with respect um that's been the biggest thing for us and trying to balance modesty without trying to make it you have to wear extra large hoodies and men's pants in order to be modest, but trying to show your self-respect while you are growing up and becoming a woman. That to me is 
another reason why kind of processing this purity culture thing has just been so important for me of late because I'm having to now walk through it all over again with four little kids who are not so little anymore. So thank you for joining us on this edition of Mental. I appreciate it. I want to thank you for listening to yet another episode of Mental on the Fade to Gray Network. Further, I just want to say a big shout out and thank you to Elizabeth for sharing her story around the issue of purity culture. And there's a lot to be said in the effect that it's still having on people today. So I really appreciated her vulnerability in sharing that with us. If you enjoyed this episode or would like to talk to us, please feel free to join us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. You can be added into our Marco Polo community and chat with us live anytime you would desire. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, fadetograypodcast.com. Thank you for checking us out. Until next time, this is Seth signing out. He's not just gay.